That's not how book festivals work. This is how book festivals work. Welcome to the Granite Noir podcast. For those of you who don't know, Granite Noir is Aberdeen's very own crime fiction festival and it is about to enter into its third year. The dates also, if you don't know them, are Friday the 22nd to Sunday the 24th of February. Granite Noir is a festival that explores the enduring fascination with stories and characters that plunge us into the heart of darkness. And for Granite Noir 2019, we are proud to be boldly taking noir where it has never been before, to play around with art forms, the notions of light and dark, good and evil, and to blur the lines, if indeed there are any, between all of these. We hope this podcast will get you in the mood for crime fiction and for the festival in general. At the heart of any literature festival, and Granite Noir included, are the incredible writers who create the stories and characters that we simply can't put down. And author conversations form the backbone of the Granite Noir offering. We are absolutely delighted to be joined by a local crime writing legend. I used to call you a local crime writing hero, but in my mind you're a local crime writing legend now, and Granite Noir festival patron, Stuart McBride, who is a man who is no stranger to the heart of darkness. Stuart launched the very first festival for us in 2017. Uh, You were the very first event. Embarrassingly, we forgot to put roving mics with the front of house ashes. And not only did you have to deliver the event, but I seem to remember you running around with microphones as well. Uh, We are now a much slicker festival. Stuart is back as one of the headliners this year. Um, He'll be talking about his life and work as well as his latest Logan McRae novel, The Blood Road, with Scottish comedian Susan Kalman, who also has a new book out called Sunnyside Up. Uh, Stuart's event is on the Saturday night of the festival, or Saturday the 23rd of February in the musical, and tickets are absolutely flying out of box office, so if anyone wants them, I would strongly suggest you buy them now. Today we have bribed Stuart with the best biscuits that the Granite Noir Petty Cash can buy to join us to chat about his work, crime fiction, Granite Noir, and anything else that might come up. And we also have some questions from our social media followers to ask him. So welcome, Stuart, and thank you very much for joining us. Hello. Um, I'm quite... quite pleased to hear that I'm now a patron. See, I had thought that I was the festival ambassador, which means that I, I genuinely have a plan um, that I'm going to get myself some Ferrero Rocher, and I'm just going to sneak up to people at various points of the festival and go, Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> Is that what patrons in, in do? As creepy a way... Well, no, that's what ambassadors do. Oh. See, I don't know what patrons do. I have to go around patronising people. <laughs> Well, um, I've always called you a patron, but if you, if you prefer to be called an ambassador, then, then that's, you can have whatever title. You could be king of Granite Noir if you wanted. I mean, as long as I get title. diplomatic immunity. <laughs> in Aberdeen, you have diplomatic immunity. Um, so uh, I'm just going to swing into a few general questions for you now. Um, a little bit about your life and work before we talk about the festival in too much detail, if that's okay. Uh, so, of course, I've done my research for today, and according to your biography, you've had a number of illustrious jobs before you turned to a rise of, cr- of crime, a life of crime writing. I'm not sure illustrious would be the word. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to list a few of them just to prove how okay. illustrious okay. they were. Uh, scrubbing toilets, working as an undertaker. No, working. No, oh, it says that on your it, website. No, it doesn't. It says that I didn't. I failed the audition to be an undertaker. Okay, so he. I, I went. I genuinely went um, for. Uh, the, there was a job advertised um, in a funeral parlour, and uh, I, I went and did not get the job. Okay, so you're a failed undertaker. Well, no, because I never did any undertaking. <laughs> okay. If I had did not undertaken and did it badly, I would be a failed undertaker. Okay, so... Um, I was not... I, I, my, my, my potential... A foiled under, undertaker. 
Yes, a foil. A foiled th- undertaker. No, not a professional one, anyway. Okay. All, all, of, all of my experience is purely amateur. But you have worked offshore, is that right? I have, yes. And you have worked, God forbid, in IT? God forbid in IT. <laughs> That sounds as if there's something you, you want to unpack there. Well, I mean, it's an unusual combination from going from IT uh, into writing about crime. Would you like to tell us how you made that slick move from oh, no, one it, career it, path to another? Very, very easy. I, used to, I, I started off being a graphic designer um, and moved into web design and then became a programmer and then became a team leader and then became a project manager, which is the perfect background for writing crime fiction because I would have to spend so much of my time in meetings with people who desperately needed to be killed in a variety of horrible (laughs) ways. Um, So I used to get that frustration out um, when I was writing my first book. So it's it's a very appropriate step. That's a top tip for any aspiring crime writer. Well, I I, I just want to go back. Does your computer not work very often? Is that why you have this this thing against God forbid an IT? Well, it just sounds like the most kind of logical, uh, frustrating job in the world. Have you tried switching it off and switching it back on again? (laughs) Uh, Strangely, yes. (laughs) Well, uh, we will uh, move on to your main protagonist, uh, DS Logan McRae. You have been with this man now uh, for 15 novels, uh, Cold Granite, the first one, and uh, your latest novel, which we'll be talking about in the festival, The Blood Road. How have you sustained him for so long, and how do you think he might have changed over the course of of those 15 books, if at all? Are you sure it's 15 books? Well, I counted them on Wikipedia last night. Oh, you can't trust Wikipedia. Wikipedia is full of idiots and liars. Um, this is slick for the podcast, isn't it? Two, three, four, Thirteen books. Thirteen books. Well, I counted. There must be some. Wikipedia's wrong, clearly. Wikipedia's always wrong. Wikipedia, is, I don't know who does your Wikipedia entry, but or maybe it was tired. I Every, had a well, gin that, and tonic last night when I was counting. That, that's the problem with Wikipedia, is that everybody does it. I love the fact that is it, um, the House of Representatives in America are now barred from updating anything on Wikipedia because they were just going in and lying about their own achievements and telling fibs about their opponents. So the, the IP addresses are just blocked and they're not allowed to make any changes to it. So someone's been sneaking into your Wikipedia page and adding extra novels that you've never written. Quite possibly, quite possibly. Well, that's a crime if there was one. That, that, that would be quite fun. So anyway, back to uh, Logan McRae. Can you talk to... You've lived, you've lived and written about this man for, well, 13, 15, however many books. 16 years. Yeah. And how, how has he changed over the course of that time? Um, quite a lot, because I do horrible things to him. Because he, he kind of deserves them, though, really. I mean, if, if you want to have a nice, easy life, you shouldn't be fictional, and you certainly should not be in crime fiction. If he'd, been, you know, if he, if he'd managed to get himself into some sort of romantic fiction, he might have had a great time. If he'd gotten himself into you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, I'm sure he would have been delighted, except for all the spanking. Um, but no, it's crime fiction, so yeah, I, I give him a hard time, and he deserves it. Let's be t- I mean, you know when somebody comes to stay, to your, stay at your house? Day one, lovely and fine. Day two, mm, okay, things like day three, get out of my house, go home, leave me alone. 16 years I've, I've had this guy in my head, so sometimes I might take that out on him. <laughs> Have you ever listened to um, Lee Charles's World Book Club? 
when he talks about writing about um, Jack Reacher and how he's the only man that Jack Reacher is afraid of because he can make him do anything. Do you feel the same way towards Logan McRae that you're the only man he's afraid of because you control his life? Um, I am a wrathful and vengeful god. So he needs to... Actually, it doesn't even matter if he worships me well. I'm, I'm still going to punish him. <laughs> uh, does he turn his computer on and off? <laughs> he might do. Genuinely, when I used to work in IT, there was, um, there was one of the project managers, and he was just ranting at the support services. His computer wouldn't work. His computer would, he couldn't get it. It wouldn't come on. It wouldn't come on again. It just wouldn't work. Have you tried turning it off? Now? Can't turn it off. Turn it off. It's Went off in this massive, great big rant. And we found out he had unplugged it from the wall the night before. And forgotten to plug it back in again. And said, maybe this is the problem. Oh it's not an IT problem, it's a you're an idiot problem. I think it's a good job you're now writing crime fiction, definitely. Um, we're going to move forwards now and talk a little bit about a sense of place, sort of generally uh, at first. You are known as one of the Tartan Noir authors. Uh, you're up there with the likes of Ian Rankin and Val McDermott. Do you think that there is such a thing as Tartan Noir, or do you think it's just a branding exercise to make Scottish crime fiction sound a bit edgy and more sellable? Um, it is a branding exercise, but that's fine. That's cool. I'm, I'm more than happy with that. It, I mean, Tartan Noir covers everything really as long as it's written in Scotland or about Scotland, it qualifies as Tartan Noir. Now, that covers a massive great big church, everything from M.C. Beaton uh, writing about Hamish Macbeth in Loch Du, which is you know, the warm, funny, incredibly bloodthirsty, but you know, they're the, 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 the lovely books. And everything from that down to um, Ian Rankin's Dour Presbyterian Rebus, um, where everything is bleak and everything is horrible. And things like Alan Guthrie, which is more or less Jacobean revenge tragedies that he's writing. And all of these things are, are tartan noir. Um, and they're not the same kind of book at all, but they share that intrinsic thing that we Scots have in that every single detective in a Scottish crime, piece of Scottish crime fiction is thrown, just through and through, utterly, utterly thrown. And I think that's the thing that actually defines Scottish crime fiction, regardless of what subgenre you want to put it in. But thrown fiction doesn't sound quite as nice as tartan noir. So we'll go with tartan noir. We're big champions of tartan noir, uh, granite noir. We, uh, we uh, bring as many tartan noir authors up here as we possibly can. Um, we think it's a great genre. Um, we'd like to drill down a little bit more about the kind of northeast edge of tartan noir. Um, and because uh, you've lived here since the tender age of two in this region, so uh, you set all your novels here. You're really rooted uh, in northeast Scotland, the north, if you like. It's a region that's known for its extremes of light and dark. And we place Granite Noir at the time of year when it's still very dark and cold, but the light is just beginning to return. Um, and the light in the north is as spectacular as the darkness, uh, which I think sometimes people forget. And this is all absolutely perfect stuff for a crime fiction author as well as a crime fiction festival. Do you think um, a sense of place is important in your work? And do you think that it also influences your characters? Um, I believe that a good book is it's not so much a juggling act as it is... You remember those variety things where you used to get some weird little man would come out and he would have some wobbly sticks and he would spin plates on top of them. And that's what a good book 
is for me, and each one of those sticks represents something like place and character and dialogue and plot and structure and narrative and all of these different things. And you have to keep whizzing these sticks round and round, otherwise everything starts to crash down onto the ground. So the place is every bit as important as everything else in the book, because without it, things would just happen in a vacuum. Um, and I'm writing about people from the northeast, so I'm writing about people who have that northeast sense of humour as well, um, because you know I can't be alone with sort of digging out that Scotland of what album every now and again and listening to Transbuchan Airways and just ending myself as it goes through. <laughs> and it's just it, it, it's that kind of that kind of genius that that is the people that lives here. Um, or that live here, rather. And that's what I'm trying to get into the books. It's, it's just, th- these are the books of us. The North East... Sounds very the, pretentious, it does, it? No, no, not at all. I mean, the North East of Scotland isn't famous for its sense of humour, but you're right, it's a very but particular sense of humour. Yeah. Yes, people think it's, that it's grim and, and uh, gritty and dour up here, but there is a lot of humour, a lot of silver in that granite as well, definitely. Well, th- th- this, this, is, this is the place that gave us the line, Was it raining? Oh no, it means someone squashed into my chums from Bruce and the Spider. You know, it's just. You wouldn't get that anywhere else. Yeah. You have to, it's subtle and it's dry, that's for sure. Um, I'm going to extend that sort of sense of place now and talk a little bit about festivals. Um, we're very clear at Granite Noir that we are rooted in the northeast and really proud, proud of it. Um, do you think the festivals can be part of placemaking? Um, and sort of to extend that out a little bit, how important do you think it is for a city or anywhere to have a literature festival? I think it is incredibly important to have a book festival. Not just one book festival. I mean, it, it's, it, Granite Noir is, is great because it is you know, it's a crime, crime festival. So many people love crime fiction. Here is a place for people who love that to come together and enjoy it and meet authors and chat and just celebrate the books that we love. But Aberdeen should also have a children's book festival. It should have a romance book festival. It should have lots of book festivals um, because th- these, these are great things. We, we are a community of readers and we should be celebrating that. And every single town can do that and should do that. Um, and there are, there, there are crime festivals propping up all over Scotland, which is, which is lovely um, because occasionally I get to go to some of them and, and see some nice places. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's maybe not quite so usual for them to be as large and successful as Grant Noir has been, particularly after, I mean, this is only three years yeah. that this has been on for. And if you look at the programme for this year, I mean, some of the authors that are coming and some of the, some of the guest interviewers are, do, do, that's, that's a festival in its third year. That's incredible, incredible achievement. Thank you. I mean, it's, uh, I can't remember what the question was. <laughs> that's quite right. I, no, you, you definitely answered it. Um, and one of the things that we love about uh, the Granite Noir audience um, is that, like we've said earlier, it's a book-buying audience. They really, really buy a huge amount of books at Granite Noir, back catalogue, current books, um, more so, we're told, than other crime fiction festivals. So it's certainly important to Aberdeen and the North East that we have a book festival. Um, well, I think that's also, also because of how varied the programme is. I mean, pe- people are discovering authors that they've never read before. So they will go and buy the books. Um, it's not just, here is someone you have seen before with other people you will definitely have seen before talking about stuff you have heard over and over and over again. You know, and, and that, 
that's really important and it's great that it's working. It's successful. Thanks. Thank you. I mean, it's, a, it's a partnership festival. It's not just Aberdeen Performing Arts. I will flag that up now. We work with other partners in the city, uh, the City Library, the Belmont Film House, um, and uh, most importantly as well, the City and Shire Archives, which I don't think people realise are UNESCO registered, which is an amazing thing for the North East, um, and particularly the Grampian Police, Police Archive. It's huge, it's vast, it's really significant. So uh, we get some really, really rich material for the festival from all of those true life stories in there. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing the, the exhibition of uh, past naughty people <laughs> from, from Aberdeen because we do have such a rich history of yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I think a, a lot of people also don't know that they can go and visit the archives. That's right, they can. Um, yeah. I, I, I went and, and had a, a chat and a, a walk around and being shown you know, you know, sort of books and scrolls from the 12th century you wouldn't get that anywhere else. Yeah, it's an incredible resource, it really is, and you're right, it's publicly publicly accessible. Though apparently you're not allowed to take a pen in. <laughs> Have you heard this? Uh, I haven't. Oh, it's, it's pencils, pencils only if you're going in to take notes, mm. because what people were doing is that they were going to research their great-great-great-great-granduda and discovering that great-great-grand-granduda was actually involved in some very sketchy stuff, and then in Biro trying to change what the official oh, records said. So now it's pencils only. Pencils only. You heard it here first. It's pencils only in the, in the Aberdeen archives. Um, we're going to move on to some of the questions that have been sent in from some of our social media followers um, uh, gen- about you and your work uh, mainly. Um, we're going to take a couple of come through on Facebook via Lindsay Wilson, and the first one that's coming in from her is... As the characters of Logan and Steele have developed over the years, has there been anything that you have ended up writing for them that has surprised even you, and then in brackets, excluding the 45% hangover? Oh, I wonder why excluding. <laughs> well, see, I know the bit she's referring to, the 45% hangover. At some point, it was always going to be a case that Logan and Steele were going to have to get naked together in a terrible, horrible, horrible way. And that's what happens in that book. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't know if I've ever been surprised by... by what, I've been entertained by what they get up to. Um, because although I, I, sometimes I will plan a book from start to finish, there are other times where I can only plan about the first third and then I have to write that third. And I have no idea what's going to happen after that until I get to that point. Um, so sometimes it's nice. Um, I haven't often had to sort of throw away a book. But yeah, no, occasionally I have got to that point point gone, ah, oh, that's what this means. This is how this now works. So you're not a planner, particularly when it comes to writing your books? Oh, no, I have. I, have, I mean, the, the, the last three books, for example, I have planned them in advance. I've written screenplays for them just to do something different. And then I've adapted the screenplays into the novels. So they've been very, very tightly planned. Whereas others, as I say, it's just been that after the first third. No idea what happens here. Well, I'm going to just pause on the second question from Lindsay then because that actually leads into quite nicely with a question we've got from Christine Lawrenson. Um, I'm sure you can help her with this after sharing that. Uh, what advice would you offer to new writers who have written themselves into a dead end halfway through their latest novel? Well, that's what happens when you don't plan, certainly. <laughs> that, is, that is a risk. Um, the thing about not planning is that you get the thrill of discovery as you go which, is, which is, can be absolutely lovely. It's a great feeling. But it does mean that you run the risk of suddenly getting to a point and it just it will not work past that point. My personal preference is to go and lie down on the couch and get uh, Grendel, my, my cat, no. 
to come and curl up on my chest and she'll, she'll purr for a bit and she'll fall asleep and she'll have little twitchy feet dreams and I will sit there and um, think about murder and dismemberment. And then by the time she's woken up, usually I am past where I've had a problem. Um, but yeah, it's, if it's not working, it's either not working because it's never going to work or it might just be that the characters have got you into a position where it's going to be really interesting to see how they get out of it. And it's a challenge rather than, you know, it's not, it's not a fault. It's just, this is now the challenge. So maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it is. Um, and that's certainly good advice. I can just picture you and uh, Grendel on the sofa working through who and how you're going to murder next and get yourself out of dead ends. Um, we'll just swing back to the second question that came in from Lindsay, a really general one, really, uh, about famous detectives from the past. If you were ever asked to write a book in which you could bring back a famous detective from the past, who would it be and why would you choose them? Well, I have actually been asked a couple of times, um, and I've said no both times. Um, I would actually quite like to write um, a Miss Marple. But uh, that's not, that doesn't seem to be on the cards, shall we say. Um, because I, I, I think the really interesting thing about Miss Marple for me is that she's this little old lady who, who solves all these crimes. And whoever it is that is, gets collared for it, because she has fingered them, is then taken away and is hanged. So she, she is actually responsible for the deaths of all these people, and it never, ever weighs on her conscience at all. At no point does she ever wake up in the middle of the night thinking that that housemaid from last year is is now dead, has, has been dangling by the neck. And I think that would be such an interesting thing to dig into. Do you think that's because she has such a clear-cut sense of right and wrong, good and evil? There's no ambiguity in Miss Marple. A lot of the detectives now, they've got their own dark side, so things do play on their minds a lot more than perhaps they, they, they did a, a, a um, protagonist like Miss Marple. She was, there was no dark one, certainly not one that Agatha Christie put on the table. There's no real um, uh, demons in her past, if you like. No, no, she, she's there to solve a puzzle. Yeah. Um, it's, very much, it's a very golden age thing for crime fiction, or golden age in, in inverted quotes, because I think, to be honest, the crime fiction that's being written now is, is, is much richer fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously there's still a huge place for, for these novels and these books, and people love them. Um, you know, did, do you know that A.A. Um, e. E. Milne, uh, the author of Winnie the Pooh, wrote, wrote a crime novel? I didn't know that. Uh, the Red House Mystery. And it's terrible. It's absolutely awful. I've just reread it. Um, and it is all about hmm, how clever is the protagonist? Can he solve this riddle? Ah, here's another riddle. Here's a puzzle. Oh, how clever he is. And it's got nothing at all to do with the fact that somebody has died. Or that there, are, that, that, that sh- there should be grief involved in that. Or it's, it, that there's no sense of loss. Or that it's just about how clever the detective is. So if you brought back Miss Marple, would you bring her back as a more kind of noir Miss Marple or as the Miss Marple that we all kind of know and, are, and love around that kind of simplicity? Of... I, I really don't think I would ever be allowed to. <laughs> if you but, did. But if, if, if I did, I would, I would, yeah, I would want to, to dig in. Darken her up. To, to, who she, who, to who she is and what makes her the way she is. Because uh, Christie changed her quite hugely between the first book, uh, In Murder in the Vicarage, she is an interfering, nosy old busybody who has just she, she snoots at everybody's business. Uh, so she actually has a reason for being involved 
in the mystery because she knows all, all these all these things and she's a gossip and all that. Um, and she becomes a lot softer and more likable after that first book is published. Mm. Um, so Gracie's obviously got just tweak her slightly. Um, so so yeah, I mean she does. There must be a reason that she's like that though. Mm-hmm. And it would be it would be nice to to actually look at, look at that kind of thing. Well, I hope you get the opportunity to do that because uh, that sounds like a really fascinating thing. Not a chance in hell. <laughs> Even for your own. Well, Har- HarperCollins um, uh, sort of represent the Christie estate, and I have suggested it to my editor on several occasions, and she's gone, oh, I'll just... Um, look at the weather. <laughs> Maybe she's got a sister that doesn't have any copyright attached to her that you could invent. Well, in the end, I might just write something about an old lady who used to be... <laughs> I don't know. Well, I hope so. Um, we're going to move on to um, another question now from Gillian Ward. Um, is there any chance of another Ash Henderson story? There is a huge chance of another Ash Henderson story. Um, I have The book I'm finishing at the moment is the second in my contract. I have one more book in this contract, and it's for I can make it a standalone, or I can write another Logan, or I can write another Ash book. Um, and I'm, it would be nice to at least have three books for Ash, because then you know it makes a trilogy, mm-hmm. and that feels better than just a duology. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Trouble is, I, I kind of want to set it partially in the states. I don't know if I can be bothered going to the states. <laughs> it's not very, not very nice at the moment. The scent yeah, of a place is important, and and little things. I mean, I, I do write with Google Earth quite often, um, usually mostly Aberdeen right. or places that I've already been, just to remind me what something looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the current book, for example, um, the proofreader came back and said, that's not how this place is spelt. And I said, well, actually, I'm describing the road sign. Here's a link to the street right. view of that road sign. You see, although it's not spelt the way that the map spells the actual location, this is what's on the road sign. Um, so I do use it quite a lot, but there's, I think there's no substitute to walking around a place. Because yeah. apart from anything else, seeing things as, as you go by sparks ideas mm-hmm. in my head. Um, and that just wouldn't be the case if I'm going, well, what does that look like? Okay, that's what it looks like. Yeah. I'll just write that. Yeah, agreed. I think you do have to, to know and visit a place to really be able to write about it properly. Unless it's space, obviously. <laughs> yes. Imagination is great. I mean, I, I made up an entire city in the Ash Henderson books. I mean, they are. Old Castle is thoroughly fictitious, even though people do still email me to say, I can't find it on Google Earth. <laughs> Where's it meant to be? It doesn't actually exist. Um, yeah, so, you know what? What the hell? What the hell, indeed. If, if the, the only rule there is in writing is don't be boring. <laughs> Everything else is up for grabs. You're certainly not boring. So we've got a question from Team Granite Noir before I'm just going to conclude with a couple about the, the programme of the festival that's coming up. So <laughs> I don't know who Team Granite Noir are exactly, but they've given me a question to ask for you. All that means is that nobody else has actually bothered to enter a question, <laughs> so we've tried to make something up for you, Stuart. Or possibly it means we've done this podcast on purpose because we want to ask you lots of questions. <laughs> I'm um, making funny noises because my legs fall asleep. Oh dear. Okay, um, so the question that Team Granite Noir, which I think is Kath, wants to ask is what books have you been uh, enjoying lately crime fiction or otherwise Ooh, well as i say um the red house mystery i'm not going to recommend at all um what else have i read recently i've just started stephen king's uh, sleeping beauties which is interesting huge absolutely huge the size of a breeze block brian mcclellan um the autumn republic 
which is the third part of a fantasy trilogy. Uh, and I've had it sitting on my shelves. I, I bought this book about three years ago. And it's been sitting, because I've never had time to get around to reading it, because I've always been, you know, will you read this for a blurb, etc., etc. Um, finally got into it. Great, it's um, fantasy, but it's not just... There's, although there's magic, there's also gunpowder. So it's sort of Napoleonic mm-hmm. levels of technology, but magic at the same time. So it's a very unique blend, and it's it's very your buckle will be swashed <laughs> by the end. Fabulous. Of it. So so that's that's your top tip. Right, we're going to conclude now by just talking about the festival uh, this year, uh, and then. Um, dreaming about future Grand Intervals. Uh, one of the many delights of working with crime fiction authors is that you, um, you are consistently lovely people. No, um, no, we're not. Some of us are absolutely horrible. Well, you get all of your dark side on the page, and I've uh, never worked with a, a horrible crime fiction author. Um, you, and one of the nice <laughs> I can give you some names <laughs> if you like. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, one of the really nice things about you is that you're all really supportive of each other and each other's work, um, which isn't the same for all, all authors of all genres. Well, I think the reason for that is that we all love crime fiction. We read crime fiction. Um, and I want to read a good book by somebody else. Like, so why wouldn't I want to support someone who's writing a book well, that I like? Well, I don't think all, all... Not all genres think like that. The other thing about crime fiction authors is that they all seem to be in bands as well, so you all seem to hang out together too. Um, but to put you on the spot with the festival programme, other than your event, of course, on the Saturday evening, what are you most looking forward to or what would you like to recommend? Well, you're actually, you're, you're, you've got two events. You're concluding the festival with a Noir at the Bar with uh, Russell as well this year. Yes, so, Russell McLean. Yes. Um, that, I'm definitely looking forward to that because uh, that's, uh, that's, it can be quite anarchic, Noir at the Bar, because it's basically lots of crime writers coming up to do things and sometimes it might just be a reading or it might be something completely different um, at past noir bars there have been um, someone has sung opera there has been a flamingo that's dancing right. demonstration right. yes. you, know, you don't know what you're going to get yeah that's very um, true but it's you know it, it's it's kind of a it, it's a weird it's, it's, remember when live tv used to be really quite dangerous <laughs> yeah. it's that kind of an event it certainly um, is. So that, that's going to be cool. Um, obviously, you know, there's the big headliners that are going to be a great deal of fun. Um, uh, Aber, for example, is you know, he's very interesting, very funny. Um, that's that's going to be great. Um, oh, what else have we got? What else? Is, there are so many things. Uh, the bookshop band, for example, oh, yeah. are doing uh, how to write songs. Uh, workshop. I'm, I, I haven't bought my ticket for that yet, but I will be buying my ticket for Oh, that. you can have a ticket to that, Stuart. Um, and then there's Ursa um, uh, Sigurd the daughter, which I always point <laughs> very, very badly. She's phenomenal value. She's really, really good, excellent writer. And of course, she's going to be with Mark Billingham, who mm-hmm. is pretty much you know, British crime writing royalty, so that's going to be a, a really good event. Um, I just, you could just go through this and say, that'll be good, that'll be good. Oh, this one's going to be good. This is nice. Oh, um, uh, Douglas Skeldon, for example. That's, that's good. Stella Duffy. You know, you know she's, she's, she is incredibly good value. Um, there, is, there is just so much. I know, it's, I know it sounds really cheesy. I'm the Festival Ambassador. What a wonderful programme it is. But it really, really is. Uh, I've said it before, but if you cannot find something, in the programme that you love, there is something wrong with you. Because <laughs> it's everything from stuff for kids, there's stuff for music, there's films, there's 
you know, there's this huge, huge amount of like the poison tea. Yeah, it's a lot that's of fun. that's. And I've already said, you know, the the photo exhibition. See, I'm just I'm now just flicking through the program. <laughs> going, yeah, I want to see that. That's oh, that sounds good. Um, yeah, no, there's there is such a huge, huge range of things. Um, that, are, that are going to be great here. We work really hard to make sure there's something for everyone at Granite Noir, which isn't always easy with a crime, crime theme, if you like. Um, but you're absolutely right. Noir at the Bar, the concluding event of the festival, is amazing. You will see crime fiction authors letting their hair down, which um, is uh, a sight to behold, definitely. Showing off like a bunch of bummers. <laughs> yes, that's another way of putting it, definitely. Um, so we're going to conclude. A concluding question is um, your advisory looking forward to future Granite Noirs. Authors, you would like to see us programme any events or suggestions or top tips for us uh, looking forwards um ooh, that's a big one isn't it uh, well one really keep doing what you're doing uh two keep mixing it up there's a, there's a huge problem with certain festivals that they just become so cliquey mm-hmm. and it's the same people doing the same thing time and time and time again and that's not happened obviously with granite noir it's still fresh and lovely and encompassing and welcoming um, and just keep doing what you're doing just okay. keep mixing it up all those different authors different things not the same damn panel year after year after year okay. with the same people on it um, that's great advice don't program anybody two years in a row yeah okay that's great even advice. me <laughs> well you couldn't come last year no I was, I was right in the middle of deadline hell <laughs> <laughs> well you're back this year a big thank you, Stuart, for taking time out of your morning and putting Grendel uh, down from the sofa and joining us today. And we are really looking forward to welcoming you back to the festival next week and uh, are really grateful for your continued support for, for Granite Noir and being such a tremendous champion. Uh, those of you who like podcasts, we are going to be creating more over the course of the festival. Um, and please also look out for Granite Noir TV. Um, we are looking forward to seeing you all at Granite Noir, um, the actual live festival next week, and also all of our future festivals, which take place over the last weekend of February each year. We think it's a really important addition to Aberdeen's festival uh, calendar, and thank you all uh, for championing us, and we will see you there soon. For more information on the festival programme and Granite Noir TV, please check our website, granitenoir.com, and we'll leave you with a wee taste of our author conversations from last year. Evil has very many faces, mm. and, and as, as we write crime fiction, we, it's always about, in some way or another, you're saying something about evil. Mm. What is evil, mm. and what's the sources of evil, mm. and what's the different faces of it. In Hydra we look at darkness, and the darkness we carry through our life, and what can drive someone to uh, do something as heinous as that. But hearing that knock then, that night, it was more than that, it was real. It was so real it went through me. I felt that folded finger tapping against my bones. There were like a voice inside me shouting at me, screaming at me to stay put, not to answer the door, if only I'd listened. And just before they disappeared into the Manchester Canal, they screamed. Oh. And Ooh, that like, has never left me. Like, obviously something is going on there and mm. they, they don't know. When he spoke, his voice came to me like the distant crackle of a broken radio in another room. I'm so sorry, Kat, but however I say this, it's going to come out as a terrible shock. That girl, Ruby Winter, she's my daughter. And I love the idea of having a gun there and not using it. Um, is there anything that you'd say is off limits in, into how, far, how dark you would go? 
I, I think for me, a good story is a good story. And, uh, the first book is partly set in Mexico, mm. uh, and I've never been to Mexico. Oh, okay. Um, but Google Earth has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's very small, Gibraltar, and as the the. the uh, Chief Inspector of Roger Border Police said to me, he said, since you've started writing about it, you've quadrupled the, the murder rate. Uh, <laughs> about the golden age of crime fiction being between the wars, the mm, 1930s. Yeah. But I think we, we're in a new golden age, and I think there is a new, new readership who are reading people like, I mean, Emma Flint, Mick Heron, um, Abia Mukherjee, who's a Glaswegian mm. who writes uh, amazingly.